Hey everyone, this is Guy Lawrence, of course, of 180 Nutrition, and welcome to another stellar episode of the Health Sessions, where we connect with leading global health and wellness experts to share the best and the latest science of thinking, empowering everyone to turn their health and lives around. And this week, our awesome guest is Dr. Jason Fung, and we are getting into the topic of fasting. Now, fasting is a topic that we haven't um, really covered on the podcast before. I do use small, uh, I do personally implement little bits of fasting in my life. So it was great to get a, you know, a guy that's been studying it for the last four years and applying it to hundreds and hundreds of patients in his medical practice in the US. And uh, we cover things from fasting as an application to uh, obesity, to diabetes, especially type 2, to then obviously just, just weight loss and then health maintenance and even in athleticism as well. So, you know, what are the precautions around it? What should we look for? Is fasting hard? Can we eat whatever we do outside of fasting and so forth? And why should we do it? Should we be scared of it? Are we going to lose muscle mass? You know, all sorts of stuff. So it's all in there and it was fantastic. So we had Jason on and basically grilled him for 55 minutes to, uh, to unleash as much uh, knowledge as we could so i have no doubt you're going to enjoy guys and if you are enjoying the shows please leave us a review on itunes uh if you can uh, only if you enjoy them uh, of course but if you subscribe to it five star it and leave a review for us it just really helps other people find this podcast as well and can get the information just like yourself are right now if you're a regular listener so that's one thing i'd ask for guys and uh, really appreciate it uh, if you do i read all the reviews and i uh, would be happy to review uh, read them out on the podcast as well anyway let's go over to jason fung enjoy hi this is guy lawrence i'm joined with Stuart cook hi Stu. good morning hello guy and our awesome guest today is mr jason fung jason welcome to the show hi how are you I'm great excellent. to be here thank you mate did i pronounce your surname right i did i should have asked you before we started yeah yeah, yeah. yeah beautiful so, mate, the, look, the first question I ask everyone on the show is, if, if a complete stranger stopped you on the street and asked you what you did for a living, what would you say? Well, I'm a kidney specialist by trade, so I'm a physician. I trained very conventionally uh, through internal medicine, and then I did a couple of years in Los Angeles for my nephrology. And about, what, about 10 years ago now, eight years ago now, I became very interested in the question of nutrition obesity because that's really the core problem of what faces us in the medical world like a lot of the problems that we face are not what we used to face which is infections and so on they're all metabolic problems that is type 2 diabetes uh, and all the problems that go along with uh, obesity such as uh, sleep apnea high blood pressure high cholesterol and, and all those sorts of problems so they uh, really take up probably about 40 50 percent of the healthcare budgets of yeah. you know modern west nations it's a huge problem and worse than that it's a growing problem right so you, we've all seen the statistics on obesity and type 2 diabetes kind of rises right along with that so that's where i really got interested in trying to see where we kind of went wrong because obviously what we we're doing was not working right we told yeah. everybody you know cut calories eat less move more well, you know, we've been saying the same thing for 30 years. We've been singing the same song and <laughs> nothing has worked. So I don't know why we would keep using it, right? Because we knew yeah. it didn't work. So that's really where it came from that I really started oh, yeah. looking into first the problems with obesity and the very much related uh, problems of type 2 diabetes and how our treatments are really quite incorrect 
and really how to properly treat them. Got it. Yeah. Well, what um, just for a bit of a backstory as well, Jason, what led you into the world of fasting? Because I know we're going to be talking about fasting today. So, so that like the being a doctor, you know, the first thing you started looking at was the, the obesity problems, and then where 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 did fasting start to interplay in that journey? Well. From from the obesity side of things, really, I recognized that the problem was too much insulin, right? And everybody says I demonize insulin. I don't. It's a normal hormone. But obviously, any hormone, if you get it too much of it, can be a problem, right? Whether it's thyroid yep. hormone or insulin. So obesity, type 2 diabetes, are really problems of too much insulin. So the natural solution then is to look for dietary solutions that reduce insulin, right? And that was the big problem with type 2 diabetes. We had no drugs that would reduce insulin, so we just kind of kept getting worse and worse. So low-carbohydrate, high-fat diets, ketogenic diets, they're very good at lowering insulin. But the problem I had is that my patients didn't really get any better. And it wasn't because mm -hmm. the diet was good. It's because it was complicated for these people. These aren't like mm -hmm. people who go on the internet every day and look for nutrition sort of thing. They're people who are 65, 70 years old. Some of them don't speak English. And they really didn't know how to follow a proper low-carbohydrate diet. So... It was kind of discouraging because here I knew that I had kind of zoomed in on the problem and I knew what needed to be done, yet the patients really didn't know how to do it because this whole low-fat kind of craze of the last 40 years, most of them are still in that sort of uh, kind of paradigm of cut your fat. So to go all of a sudden to a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet, they, they really couldn't wrap their heads around yeah. it. So I needed something kind of completely different. So one day, I was talking to a friend, and she's talking about a cleanse that she did. It was a seven-day cleanse, and you drink this stuff, right? You don't eat anything, but you drink all this stuff that's really expensive. And I said, oh, I felt great, and so on. I thought, oh, that's like fasting, right? That's what I was thinking. I thought, oh, that's a terrible idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And then she's like telling me how good it was, and I'm like, huh. You know, my advantage is that I might think it's stupid, uh, but then I thought for a second, okay, what exactly is so stupid about it? Because I knew kind of peripherally that people did used to fast routinely. So every Sunday, um, every Sunday around Easter time, you'd go, I'd go to church and they'd talk about fasting like for three or four weeks straight. You'd hear all about fasting, fasting, mm -hmm. fasting, but no, nobody actually did it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was very funny to me uh, now that it's something that has been part of human history, yet for the last, say, 40 years has been completely forgotten. In fact, the mere mention of it gets the same reactions that I used to give, which is just a big rolling of the eyes, right? So then my advantage, again, is that I know the physiology. I could go into the medical literature and start looking and say, okay, well, I think it's really stupid, but what exactly is so stupid about it? And that's when I recognize that... There's actually nothing stupid about it. In fact, all the changes, which is mostly based on lowering insulin, are highly beneficial. So in people who are overweight or who have very high blood sugars and type 2 diabetes, hey, guess what? If you don't eat, your blood sugar comes down. If you don't eat, you lose weight. And there's nothing wrong with it. This is the way the human body is designed. That's what fat is. It's stored food energy, right? That's what it's there for, for you to use when you have nothing to eat. It's not there for looks, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 
If that's the case, then why don't you simply fast in a controlled manner and let your body mobilize this stored food energy? There's, there's, that's, that's a completely 100% natural way to do things. So that's what I did. I just started people um, on fasting. I monitored them. Obviously, again, my advantage is that I could monitor them closely, watch their blood sugars, adjust their medications. And what I quickly realized was that it was incredibly powerful. That is, we had people who are on 200 units of insulin a day who three weeks later were on zero, right? We had people with 30 years of type 2 diabetes, and within a month and a half, they're off everything, right, with normal blood sugars. Like, that's amazing. In fact, it's practically, if you're to ask most doctors, impossible. They would have told you it's impossible. Yet I was here, I was seeing it day after day after day. So what we did was we got... We just started doing it on everybody because we realized that, hey, this is very powerful. And what we need to do is not belittle people and say, oh, you can't do it because it's so hard. We just said, no, it's hard, but it makes them better. So we're going to give them the support they need to get better. And that's what we did. We started a program. We actually have people all over the world who you know, connect uh, remotely to get coaching and dietary counseling, but really based on helping them through the intermittent fasting, you know, what problems can come up, uh, how to deal with them, support, because it does take support, right? And that's the, that's the whole idea of what we, what we did. Fantastic. Uh, Quick question, Jason, before I know you're going to shoot next to, how long have you been applying that protocol for? Is it about four years About now. four years. So you would so, have seen a lot of yeah. people in that time, right? <laughs> yeah, hundreds and hundreds. So yeah. I think, I mean, I don't think that there's anybody in the world who has done this, in a, you know, used fasting in a therapeutic manner. Yes, there are people who say, okay, come to my clinic, come for a week and fast, and then that's it. But yeah. nobody who says, you're sick, and this is what I'm going to use to treat you for your disease, for your obesity, for your type 2 diabetes, we'll monitor you, we'll check your blood work, we'll check your, you know, blood pressures and and, and do it like, you know, as if it's just part of regular medicine, which it really should be, right? But the thing is that it is so far out of the mainstream that, you know, it takes people a little bit of time to kind of uh, understand what's doing it. Uh, The interesting thing is that we've had a lot of people be able to maintain their weight loss as well because I actually think that it's far easier to maintain your weight loss using some kind of intermittent fasting protocols than standard diets. Got you. And when when we're talking about duration here for the fasting, what, uh, what does that look like? Because I've heard some people say, well, you can do a 12-hour fast if you eat your dinner at 7 p.m. and you eat your breakfast at 7 a.m. and you sleep. You have essentially fasted for 12 hours. Do we need more than that? Yeah, I think that the the duration is actually flexible. So it can be yeah. any duration. So fasting right. is just the flip side of eating. That is, anytime yes. you're not eating, you're fasting. Yeah. So the word breakfast is very interesting because what it implies is that Fasting is actually a part of everyday life. So what Mm. we should do is keep our feeding and our fasting in balance there, right? So you go back to the 1950s and people are eating three meals a day and they're getting about 12 to 13, 14 hours of fasting in every single day, right? And that's just normal, right? Finish dinner at 7, eat breakfast at 7, 12 hours fasting, 12 hours feeding, great. 
because your body really only exists in one of two states, right? You're either storing food energy or you're burning food energy, yeah. right? Mm. There's no in-between. So what, you, what happens when you eat, of course, is that insulin goes up. It tells your body, store that food energy so that when you fast, when you're asleep, insulin goes down, your body pulls that energy back out and burns it. That's why you don't die in your sleep every single night, right? <laughs> so yeah. what happens, of course, is that if you now eat like from the minute that you get up to the minute you go to bed, now you're feeding all the time. You're giving your body instructions to keep storing food energy. Remember, you can't store food energy and burn it at the same time, right? You can't mm. go both ways. It's not, it's, it's, it's not logical. So if you're always storing food energy, guess what? You're going to be fat. So all you do is you extend that period of fasting and let your body burn some of the stored food energy. And your body knows how to do that. So you can do – there are several popular regimens. So there's 16-hour fast. So yeah. you can press your eating window, for example, to um, eight hours, like between, say, 12 and 8 or 11 and 7, something like that. And yeah. you can go to 24 hours of fasting, which is kind of a one meal a day sort of an idea. So if you go kind of 7 p.m. to 7 p.m., that's dinner to dinner. Uh, you can go even longer if you skip the full day, 36 hours. And you can go really up to as long as you want. So we have people go up to 21, 30 days. Uh, mind you, for those longer fasts, uh, as with everything, right, it's more powerful the longer you go, but the more mm. problems you might face down the line. So we are careful to monitor them very closely. But again, there's nothing wrong with you going 30 days even. It's it's not easy, um, but it's not as hard as most people believe. Um, one of the things with the extended fast, which is uh, important, is that you do have to be a little bit more careful when you break the fast, if you do it gently. And you have to make sure if you don't feel well, of course, not to uh, push yourself, kind of yeah. get yourself into trouble. So Jason, the, the first thing that popped in there with the, the you know the different periodizations of fasting that you can do is that should we all be considering that or should it be more for people that have chronic illnesses like type 2 diabetes or whatever obesity or whatever it might be and then sort of implement that protocol into like a weekly or monthly basis and then you got the other spectrum you know where people are healthy and maybe just looking to optimize health and maintain good health so where would yeah, that, absolutely. so where would that fit in with with both spectrums if that if that makes sense? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely, and, and this is what I tell people all the time: is keep in mind what your goals of treatment are, right? Yeah. So if your goal of treatment, for example, is just to kind of maintain your weight, you can do it fairly well with a a, a daily kind of twelve fourteen hour fast, right? That's just normal. You don't really gain weight, you don't lose weight. Again, yeah. that's kind of the 1950s America sort of model. They're eating white bread, they're eating cookies, they're eating ice cream, right? But there's very little obesity because they're not eating all the time. Yeah. Um, if you look at national surveys of how often they ate, it, it was three meals a day in 1977. It goes up to six a day by 2005. So they're yeah. constantly eating. And I think that's played a huge role. Now, if you want to, uh, there's there's different reasons why people do it. So for weight loss, for example, type 2 diabetes, it depends on your severity, but typically we will go to a longer fast, not 16 hours, for example, which does pretty well for weight loss, but to at least a 24, 36-hour fast for type 2 diabetes. For severe diabetes, we often consider doing about a 7 to 14-day fast. And then there's different reasons again. So for people who are into kind of athletics, for example, 
you might do some different fasts. So there's something called training in the fasted state, which is becoming very popular, which is, again, about a 20, 24-hour fast. Then you exercise, then you eat. And that sounds very strange, but physiologically, there's a huge number of benefits because what happens when you fast is that your noradrenaline goes up and your growth hormone goes up. Now, those two hormones are considered hmm. part of the counter-regulatory hormones. That is, they run counter to insulin. So insulin tends to lower blood glucose. Noradrenaline or adrenaline and growth hormone tend to raise blood glucose. So as your insulin falls, you have higher levels of noradrenaline and growth hormone. Now you exercise, and you can exercise harder than you've done before because you're kind of pumped up from all the adrenaline. Then as you eat, your growth hormone levels are high, so you recover faster. So train harder, recover faster. Now that's a huge advantage if you're talking about elite athletics, right? So it's, it's an advantage you almost cannot afford to, you know, to skip. And that's merely from adjusting your timing, right? So another advantage of fasting, for example, some people find that they have uh, much higher mental clarity. So again, people think, oh, I don't eat, I'm going to not be able to concentrate. It's actually the exact opposite. If you think about a time you've eaten a huge meal, like at Thanksgiving or something, you had that huge meal, you're not really sharp, right? Mm. All you can do is kind of sit on the couch and watch football. That's about it. Whereas on the other hand, when you think about somebody and you say, oh, that guy's really hungry, you know, he's hungry for success, he's hungry for power, does that mean he's just sitting on the couch watching TV? No, it means he's energized and out there getting stuff. That's what it means when you're hungry. You don't have all that blood kind of digesting food. So your brain is sharp, and some people really feel that. So there's a whole group of people out in, uh, in uh, Silicon Valley who do this as a sort of a biohack. So that is they're trying to hack themselves like into a higher level of mental performance. Now, not just athletic performance, but mental performance. And what they do is they fast, and guess what? You're saving time because you don't have to eat, you don't have to shop, you don't have to clean up. So you get more work done, but the work that you do is on a higher level than you used to do. And that's fantastic because that's free, right? So it's like, okay, if you're in a competition uh, in Silicon Valley, like a higher level of mental performance means a lot of money, right? It's the yeah. difference between success and failure, right? So for these guys, they're like, okay, they're going to hack themselves into a level, higher level of performance, and that's terrific. Um, there's a story that Pythagoras, the ancient Greek uh, mathematician, required his students to fast before he, they, would, they could come to class. So all these ancient Greek thinkers actually did a lot of fasting, Socrates, Pluto, and all that, those people. And they did it not because they're fat. They did it because they, they knew that it gave them kind of more mental clarity. And we still talk about the classic Greek philosophers, right? The great Greek mathematicians. I'm like, holy, that's amazing, right? Yeah. And then you can talk about things like cancer prevention. I know we, we touched on that briefly, but there's uh, people who feel, and the research is more shady here, that you can actually prevent cancers from developing because cancers need glucose, and what happens when you fast is that you kind of lock down all that glucose and you kind of starve them out. So there are people who suggest that you can actually do this uh, in combination with, say, ketogenic diets and actually yes. help prevent cancers. Yeah. Do, do you think as well, Jason, that there's with when it comes to fasting, 
um, if you haven't fasted before, and let's say your diet is fairly processed, do you do you do you find there's an adjustment period to actually getting into fasting? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably about a two week uh, period. So generally, what we tell people is that the first couple of times you fast, the first two weeks, say, yeah. is gonna suck. Yeah. Because <laughs> your body's not used to it, and <laughs> it's not going to go very well. But you can't give up because it's just like exercise. If you start exercising and you got sore muscles, you don't go, oh, man, that guy, he told me to exercise. That's the worst thing, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Right? You don't do that, right? You, you yeah. know, okay, well, I'm not in shape. I got to give myself a couple of weeks, get in shape. Then I'll see how it is. You know, it's, you can't say, oh, my joints hurt after that first run that I did after 30 years, right? So it's the same thing. The fasting, if you haven't done it. So it's easier to do from a ketogenic or low-carb diet for sure right. because your body is kind of used to burning fat. So if it's burning body fat or if it's burning dietary fat, it makes no difference. It's much easier, and that's what we find anecdotally. Uh, if you come from a fairly processed kind of high-carb sort of a meal, then yeah, there's an adjustment. And there's there's a lot of problems that do come up, things like hunger, things like um, headaches and so on, and they're manageable. But you have to kind of understand that you can get through it. And there's kind of two ways to do it. One is to kind of jump right in and force your body to adapt, like start with kind of a, a longer fast, five days, seven days, and just wow. force your body to make that adjustment or just build it up slowly. So, and, and there's no right or wrong answers. So, for example, if you jump in the pool, you can either jump in or you can kind of, you know, slowly yeah. go in down the stairs one at a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. There's no right or wrong answer. People do it both ways. But if you find that it's getting really difficult, what we tell people is actually just do the long one and force your body to make that 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 adaptation so that it makes it easier. Got it. Got yes. it. Yeah, I'm just going to think from a, an, an athletic perspective as well. There would be concerns about things like um, muscle wastage. How, how would we address that? Yeah, so there's actually this question that comes up quite a bit. So uh, for muscle loss, it, it happens at around 24 hours. Okay, And that's mm. one of the reasons most people who do it for an athletic standpoint don't go beyond that. What oh. happens is that your body actually burns... Um, for uh, up to 24 hours, it burns the stored glucose, which is glycogen yeah. in the liver. Mm -hmm. But it takes about 36 hours, roughly, to go into fat burning. So between 24 and 36 hours, that's actually a period where you're actually burning some protein. So 24 to yeah. 36 hours. And that's where people think that you lose a lot of muscle. So you do burn protein, but that's not actually always a bad thing. So let's leave athletics for a second. If you just talk about the regular person, people might say, well, you're going to lose a lot of lean muscle if you keep doing 36-hour fasts all the time because you're going to yeah. just burn muscle. That's not actually what happens in real life because you're forgetting that after that period of fasting, you're going to rebuild muscle. That's what the growth hormone is there for. What you do, in fact, is you actually tear down all these kind of broken down kind of junky old proteins and then you replace them with new proteins. So when you look at studies of people who do alternate daily fasting, if you compare it to daily caloric restriction, the weight, the lean body mass as a percentage in daily caloric restriction, so if you look at percentage lean mass, yeah. Yeah. in caloric restriction, it goes up by about 0.5%. With the alternate daily fasting, it goes up by about 2.2%. In other mm. words, fasting is about four times better 
at preserving lean muscle. So it's much better because you can't just look at the period where you're breaking it down. You have to look at the period where you're building it up. Yes. And again, the other interesting thing is that in four years, we've never sent a patient to the surgeon to get the flabby skin off. Why? Because all that excess protein, that's the excess skin, excess connective tissue, right? Blood vessels, all that stuff that feeds that fat. Yeah. If you don't break down that protein, it's going to hang off as loose skin. So what we what we find is that we actually just about never have that problem because the intermittent fasting takes care of that problem for you because the body is much smarter than we are. If it sees excess protein that's hanging around with nothing to be used for, it's going to break it down. So again, think about pictures that you've seen of, say, Holocaust victims. Yeah, They're very skinny. They're very thin because they've been starved in a real sense. Uh, but there's no loose skin, right? The body has used that mm. for fuel. So your body can do the same thing. And it's actually interesting because there's a process called autophagy where you break down these proteins. And it, the uh, 2016 Nobel Prize in Medicine was just awarded to one of the early researchers in this process of autophagy. So it's actually considered a very healthy process because you're taking kind of old protein and replacing it with new protein. But if you're talking athletics now, what you have to do is kind of limit yourself to the shorter periods of fasting, 16 hours, 20 hours, 24 hours, because you may or may not want to get into that period of, of burning. If you are lean compared to if you're obese, you're going to burn more protein. Why? Because if you have more fat, your body's going to use more fat, right? So yeah. it depends on the context. So yes, if you're yeah. lean to begin with, then you probably don't want to be going into a lot of these 36-hour fasts because you're going to burn more protein that you don't actually have that much of, right? Or you're interested in keeping it up. Uh, and you're going to skew yourself more towards the shorter end of the spectrum. So, for example, there's a story of Hugh Jackman who, when he was training for the role of Wolverine, did a lot of these 16-8, like 16-hour fasting, 8-hour eating window sort of thing. Right? And he was able to kind of tone himself up incredibly well because he was using this sort of, uh, this sort of intermittent fasting to his advantage. Yeah. So just to, just to put that into context, and I, I, I'm going to use myself as an example. So I, I'm 44 years old. I see myself as relatively healthy. I've got good bloods, um, 70 kgs, almost six foot tall, uh, low body fat. How would I use fasting to optimize my health? Well, again, it, you, you probably could go with a short kind of 12 daily, 12, 14 hours and do just fine, right? So, you know, yeah. people say, do you need to fast? It's like, well, it's part of everyday life. But you could yes. do kind of three meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and be completely fine. Yeah, uh, Because you don't need to lose weight, there's no need for you to kind of expand that. If you want to try and use it to your advantage, then what you could do is go with a 16A, training in the fasted state, right? Yes. So when you're doing your workouts, you may be able to do better workouts and build up better by slightly adjusting that. Not huge amount, but do a 16A. The other thing that some people recommend is kind of a yearly longer fast, like a couple of days kind of. Yes, right? And that's more for kind of um, stimulate this kind of breaking down of uh, cancer, preventing cancer, that kind of thing. And if you think about it, that's not far off of what many religions have always recommended, right? Mm. Don't yeah. eat all the time, but also, you know, around 
Easter or around yeah. Ramadan and Lent. religions. Yeah. Exactly. Lent, well, there's periods of fasting, some of them fairly long, right? And and we're yeah. not saying, oh, go 40 days and 40 nights, right? We're just saying that, hey, maybe like a couple of days is okay. And everybody <laughs> yeah. always gets bent out of shape about doing like a five-day fast, for example. And I'm not saying it's great fun, right? It's never, nobody ever said that it was. Yeah. But I'm talking healthy here. Um, if you think about it again, look at the numbers. If you eat three meals a day, in a year, that's roughly a 1,000 meals. Okay? Right. So if you do a five-day fast, you've missed 15. 15 of those 1,000 meals. Okay? And everybody always gets on my case. Oh, my God. You know, you're going to kill people. Like, really? Are you serious? <laughs> and if you're 60 years old, you've had 60,000 meals. And I'm yeah. telling you to miss 15 of those 60 thousand meals right yeah. that's ridiculous yeah. that there's going to be a problem our body is obviously going to be able to handle it right yeah. and there may be a lot of benefits to it and that's all we're saying you got to understand how to use it you got to understand what your goals are yeah right and this is where i get a lot of flack from people who are relatively healthy relatively lean and it's like oh you shouldn't do these fasts i'm like yeah because your your goal is completely different than my 350-pound patient Correct. with 200 units of insulin. It's completely yes. different. I'm going to use completely different regimens, but you have to understand that. Of course, people don't. They just kind of hear one yeah. thing and then say, oh, that I, guy. Another thing I want to raise as well, Jason, like so if someone's listening to this and they're using fasting as a way to maintain their weight, right, which is fair enough, but does then that give them a license to eat whatever they want outside of that window because then they're using fasting to bring their weight loss back into that state. You can, although obviously it's not optimal. Yeah. Um, it's hard because it's not exactly the same thing, right? So if you eat a lot of sugar, mm -hmm. you'll be better off fasting than not fasting, that's for sure. But it's not like it's going to make you healthy, right? Yeah. Um, mm. You can't do something bad and then something good and pretend that it's okay. Uh, you still, you know, had all that process kind of uh, sugar and stuff. So it's not quite that, but it is better than doing kind of nothing at all. Correct. Okay. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole idea is that for people, it's actually a lot easier to do it kind of on an intermittent basis. And for people who haven't uh, done it before, it may be actually much easier for them. Like a lot of everybody's tried these kind of caloric restriction diets, right? They don't work, right? Period. Yeah. Everybody's done it. It never works. We've been telling people to do these caloric restriction diets for 50 years, right? We've been singing the same song and nothing's been happening, right? And the thing is sometimes it's just easier to not eat at all, right? It's like my son, right? You can't get him into the bath. But once he's in the bath, you can't get him out of the bath, right? <laughs> so there's this whole inertia that goes along with it. So once you start eating – it's actually a lot harder and takes a lot more willpower to say, okay, wow, this is delicious. I'm not nearly full. I've only had three bites, but I'm going to force myself to stop even though there's all this food here and I really could just eat the whole plate, right? Like, why would you do that, right? Why wouldn't you just say, okay, I'm not going to eat. Don't even look at it. Yeah. Go do something else. Watch TV, read a book, do something interesting, and then – by that time, everything's passed, and then you haven't eaten anything. And guess what? Your body will simply eat the equivalent number of calories from your body fat. That's it. 
right? So again, people think that it's really hard, and it's not. Like I said, it's not fun. But sometimes it's just easier than doing the opposite. And you can, because it's so flexible, you can mix and match. You can do it a lot this week and not at all next week. It's Christmas. I'm not going to fast, right? So for for a week and a half, I didn't fast at all, and it's okay because I'm going to make up for that later on, or you make up for it before. Right, so you can use it to kind of make those adjustments because life is like that, right? That's life. Life is not this. Life is full of ups and downs, both in you know stress course, and personal yeah. life, but also in eating, and that's that's the secret. The, the cycle of life is feast and fast, right? It's not constant deprivation, right? Yes. When it's somebody's birthday, you feast, right? When it's wedding. You're not eating salad, right? You're eating cake, right? And it's not good for you, and so on. But it's a treat, right? The point is, you can't have treats every day. And when you have treats, you have to make up for periods of fasting, right? And that's what we've always done, right? Feast and fast. That's the cycle. And we, for some reason, think that that's a really bad cycle. But that's just life. Yeah, yeah. Jason, you look like a very fit and healthy guy. How how often do you fast, or how do you bring it into your? I do it. I do it. The easiest thing for me, I do it probably 24 hours of fasting is my typical. So I rarely eat breakfast because yeah. I find it easiest meal for me to skip. Yeah. yeah. And again, um, that's probably five or six days out of seven. So Monday to Friday when I'm working, I almost I rarely eat breakfast uh, because I find it easy. Like now it's like nothing at all. I get my coffee. Like instead of waking up, you know, making some eggs, washing up eating it that's like 45 minutes right 30 minutes it's like now i get my coffee i walk out the door it's so much easier right yeah. and then i skip lunch sometimes and then that's a 24-hour fast and you do that two or three times a week and truthfully again and this is you know to my point of the multiple benefits it all depends when i'm really busy and have a lot of work to do i fast a lot more why because i want that extra 30 45 minutes of time to do work Right. Yeah. So when I was writing my book, for example, I was fasting like all the time. But it wasn't because I was trying to lose weight. My weight stays relatively stable. It's because I wanted the, the, the 30, 45 minutes every day. So it's like four times a week. And you know what? That that adds up. Right. 45 minutes a day, four days a week. All of a sudden I've got an extra three hours, like three hours of extra time every single week. Right. And people always complain about, you know, how busy our lives are, how complex our lives are. Well, guess what? Fasting is actually a way that simplifies everything, right? Because it's not something that costs you money. It saves you money, right? That's not something that costs you time. It saves you time. It's not something that makes your life more complex, right? Oh, can I eat this grass-fed butter or is this organic regular butter okay, right? It's like it's not complex. Just don't eat anything, right? Have some tea, <laughs> you know, have some water and that's it. It simplifies your life because it's almost the exact opposite of every single diet. It's not something that you do. It's something that you don't do, right? And you can yeah. add it to whatever diet you feel you want to do. So you want to do a vegan diet. You can still fast, right? You want to do uh, you know, one of these low-carb, high-fat diets, ketogenic with a lot of meat. You can still fast, right? If you, want to, you don't eat nuts or you don't eat wheat or you want to do a low-fat diet – you can still do it, right? So there's so many different advantages because it's actually the complete opposite of everything, thing, every other diet that's kind of out there. It's like the anti-diet, right? Yeah. And right. that's the advantage. So I use it a lot more for time-saving, 
uh, and especially like <laughs> when I went, I went on a cruise in the summer. I like seriously gained a lot of weight, <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, time for a little fasting. That was about the only time I really said, okay, this is this is this is bad, right? My wrinkles <laughs> and all this stuff, right? So like, okay, that was bad, but I had a great time, right? I didn't yeah. really, you know, watch what I did, and and guess what? In a couple of weeks, I was back to it, and I was like, okay, that's that's good. But the key is that I was able to enjoy myself. On that, uh, because yeah. I was around other people who weren't really, you know, very strict. And you go out and you don't want to be that guy who doesn't eat this and doesn't eat that and, you know, a big party pooper, right? So you do it and then it's like, but I'm okay because I know I have a tool that I can use to bring myself right back down. And then I'll have forgotten about it two weeks later, right? Oh, but I'll have remembered that I had a great time, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the whole idea is it's flexible, you know, and powerful. No, I like it. I like it. It it it, it it's perfect advice. And um, you mentioned a book as well. You're writing a book, and uh, I just wanted to touch on that as well. Because was the book with Jimmy Moore? And we've had Jimmy on the show before. I just wanted to find out a little bit more yeah, about. Yeah. So the first book I wrote was called The Obesity Code, and that's yes. really a book about what causes weight gain. So yes. everybody thinks it's about calories. But it has nothing to do with calories. So it goes over why the whole idea of calories is so incorrect. And mm. the reason that it's incorrect is because our body really just doesn't have any way to measure calories, right? So if you eat, say, 100 calories of cookies or 100 yeah. calories of broccoli, people yeah. pretend they're the same thing because it's all about the calories. Well, your body <laughs> responds entirely differently. The minute that food goes in your mouth, the cookies, the insulin goes up, your body starts to store fat, right? The broccoli, it doesn't. And it has a lot of nutrients and all this other stuff. But the point is that the body just doesn't care about calories because it has no way to measure it. And so the reason that we've fallen so far off the track is because we've completely misunderstood the cause of weight gain. So if you think that too many calories causes weight gain, then you're going to say, okay, then I'm going to lower my calories. So we all did that. It didn't work, right? Yeah. Because you have the entire wrong idea. So what actually causes weight gain is really insulin. Insulin is a hormone that tells our body to store fat, right? So when you're storing fat, you're going to gain weight. So the whole idea is if your insulin is high, how are you going to lower your insulin, right? That's the whole key to weight loss. So that's really what it goes over in detail. It's more. It's not a real diet book. It's kind of a science right. book. And then I touch about I touch on low carbohydrate diets, ketogenic diets, and intermittent fasting. But you know, intermittent fasting was like one one chapter of that book. So then all these people had a lot of questions about regimens and practicalities, and you know how to do it, what are the problems that come up, and that's what we covered. So I met Jimmy uh, in Cape Town, and we were talking about fasting, and he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, what's a good resource for this?" Like, what's a good book I can just go out and buy? I'm like, there is nothing, okay? There is nothing but nothing. He's like, what about websites? Is there anybody that talks about it? I'm like, I talk about it. That's about it, right? Nobody really talks about fasting at all. It's a really undercovered uh, area. So then he's like, okay, well, if there's no book, let's write a book. I'm like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) And that's how that book came about, which is the, uh, The Complete Guide to Fasting. Yeah, and Jimmy, Jimmy's had some great results from what I hear as well from since he's been bringing in fasting in. Yeah, 
he's done some longer fasts and he's really kind of showing how it's doable for people. He did a 30-day fast, a 21-day fast, right? And he, you know how he is. He's out there showing people. And so he did a daily kind of update on his fast. You know, he, he you can watch him and he's like, yeah, I feel great. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, everybody thinks you're going to be curled up on the couch in the fetal position, right? For 21 <laughs> days. It's yeah. not. He's out there. He's doing everything he normally does. And why not? You're powering your body on the food that you stored away, that you've carried on your body. So what's the difference? between powering yourself on food you're eating now and powering yourself on food you ate, you know, from a month ago, right? Yeah, right. That's carried around on your body as body fat. Yeah, cool. It takes a lot it takes a lot more fasting than you would actually most people believe. So if you look at the how much fasting causes weight loss, a pound of fat is roughly 3500 calories and most people eat somewhere around 1800, 2000 calories a day. So it takes almost two full days of fasting to lose one pound of fat. Wow. So that's incredible. So a 20-day fast, which everybody thinks, wow, that's really long, and it is, is you can only you might only expect to lose 10 pounds of fat. Now, you'll probably lose a bit more than that, right? You'll probably lose about 20 pounds, but a lot of that will be water weight, which will come back, right? That's why people say, oh, it failed because you lost 20 and gained 10 back. No, because you should have only expected 10 to begin with. And that's the key. If that, you, yeah, if you understand that, then you know. So, if somebody is doing a twenty-one, twenty-day fast or twenty-one day fast, would you alter the way you go about your daily life during that time? Like, would you still be exercising regular, like you normally would? Um, and yeah. the other, would you then would you lose muscle mass a bit on twenty-one days? I know we spoke about short windows, and what would um, how would you approach it? Yeah, you should do everything you normally do on fasting days that you do on a regular day because really the way you have to think about it is that you're feeding your body with body fat right you're eating breakfast lunch and dinner of body fat that's the way you have to think about it in terms of muscle loss there is a steady muscle turnover on that and again it, it there, there is some protein loss as you go through. Not all of it is muscle, but you also expect to regain some of that once you start refeeding. So again, there's a difference between obese patients and lean patients. Yeah. So people who are lean are going to burn. Uh, so if you're obese, for example, when you measure how much of your calories comes from fat during a fast, it's like 90 plus percent. If you take a, that same fasting period and put a lean person in, it's like 70% body fat. So there's a hell of a lot more protein loss because there's not as much yeah. body fat, right? Perfect. So again, yeah. you have to really look at what you're trying to do here because if you're obese, then these long ones are not really that big of a deal. Yeah, right. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. And last last question, Jason. I'm just trying to clarify things as well. And for people that are then doing the intermittent fast and might be you know, 12, 18 24 hours and might be a few times a week um in that other window period of eating what you're saying is is just eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full pretty much and not be so concerned about how much food that you eat like you can eat in abundance if you want but um yeah i mean the key is to eat real foods because the thing about the uh, satiety is that if you look at processed foods they don't activate satiety mechanism so you can say eat to satiety but you have to be careful because the quality is important for example 
if you eat steak, you you know you eat, and then at some point you really just can't eat anymore, right? And these yeah. are like those eating competitions. Like you look at them, and they're like green, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. they can't eat anymore, even though it looks delicious to the, the person who hasn't eaten. But and we've all had this uh, phenomenon is that if you have a huge meal, and then somebody says, "Oh, you want another pork chop?" You're like, "Whoa, no way." But then somebody says, oh, how about a slice of apple pie? You say, yeah, sure. Right? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, what's the difference? Right? <laughs> Again, here's the thing. The calories, they might be the same number of calories, a small pork chop and a slice of apple pie because that apple pie has a lot of uh, calories. But the thing is that the apple pie is highly processed. You know, It's highly refined, and it doesn't activate the satiety mechanism. So what activates satiety mechanism? Well, protein does fat does but when you have just almost pure carbohydrate it doesn't same as fructose and i used to think this even when i was a child i used to think this is very interesting that you can eat a meal um with water and be full or you can eat a meal with coke and be equally full but you took an extra thousand calories with that coke right and it's like why is that yeah of course it's a lot of calories but no satiety at all and that's the sugar right the sugar really just doesn't Fill you up, which is why you say, well, you know, if you're if you want to have some snack or something, and the worst thing to have is like some sugary snack, which is what we all give the kids, right? Yeah. But uh, it just doesn't fill you up at all. But if you have fat, if you have protein, well, there are natural mechanisms, and even carbohydrates, but not not processed ones, right? Like beans and so on. Well, if you eat yeah. a lot of beans, you're just not going to feel it. And same even with something like potatoes, for instance, it's a natural food. You got to remember. But it's actually fairly filling, right? So if not potato chips, but, you know, natural potatoes, potatoes like yeah. deep fried, there might be different. But, you know, if, you, if you're full and somebody says, here, you want a baked potato? You'd be like, whoa, no way. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, there's natural satiety mechanisms that are there that are going to make you stop, right? So if you, as long as you stick to kind of real foods and avoid the kind of processed flour and sugars and so on, yeah, eat. You know, eat until you're full because your body will tell you to stop. And everybody thinks this is the whole thing with the sort of uh, there's this whole notion out there that we're programmed to eat like we're like eating robots. Right. You put it in front of us and we're going to eat until we get fat. It's like there's no truth to that whatsoever. (laughs) In fact, there's multiple mechanisms that stop us from eating. So in the stomach, there are stretch receptors. If you eat too much, your stomach will stretch. It'll tell your brain, stop eating. There's cholecystokinin, which is activated by fat. It, once you eat it get enough, it'll tell you to stop eating. There's protein YY. Again, protein activates it. If you get enough, it's a satiety mechanism. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's, so there's multiple overlapping mechanisms to stop us from eating. Yeah. When it's highly processed, we bypass all those. Right, so this idea that it's uh, you know, you know, we're we're just programmed to eat, and it's like okay, that's just that's just so untrue. There's no truth to it, but it sounds great on TV, right? It's like oh, because we have food all the time, that's why we're all fat because we have food all the time. It's like well, they had food all the time in 1950 as well, right? There was no starvation, yeah. But people were okay; they didn't eat all the time. So yeah, it's it's very interesting. The entire field of I find it actually fascinating, the entire field of obesity and so on, because there's so many misconceptions out there about what we should do and what we should not do. But really, you know, getting back to the real basics of, you know, eat real food, 
yeah. fast. You'd probably go a long way with those two simple principles. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a great answer. Thank you, Jason. Now, I'm uh, just looking at the time as well. Now, we have a couple of questions we ask everyone on the show, Jason. And uh, the first one is, what are your non-negotiables to be the best version of yourself? Um, I don't, I, I mean, that's a hard one. I mean, I think that uh, maintaining uh, kind of a healthy living. So it doesn't necessarily mean a specific weight, but obviously the most important thing to all of us is our health, right? Because yeah. you could be a billionaire, but if you have all kinds of illnesses and cancer, well, it just ain't worth it, right? I'd rather be kind of middle class, you know, have a house and a mortgage and a car that's not too fancy than a, you know, quadrillionaire with terminal cancer, right? So to us, that's really the most important thing is maintaining good health. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a six pack and you can bench like 300 pounds, right? You can do fine uh, just maintaining yourself in a normal way. And that's where fasting is very good because, and it's not the weight that's the most important. It's the waist size that's the most important. So a very simple rule of thumb is keep your waist size measured around to yeah. half of your height. And if you keep that, you can see from studies. So, for example, I'm 65 inches, 5'6". So 33 inches is the maximum I would want to be. Okay. The waist, which is the fat that accumulates around your waist, is actually far more dangerous to you than all the other fat. Yeah. So if you look at um, the metabolic syndrome, it, it doesn't have a weight category. It measures the waist size, and that's because that's the most important. Once you get above a uh, waist-to-height ratio of 0.5, then you see the complications really go high. So again, it's and it's 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 you know it's it's a way to kind of stay healthy, right? And it's a lot easier to kind of maintain that. So I I like to look at that as a good proxy of you know of good health as an it's it's a simple way to measure because obviously some people don't exercise much and do do fine and some people exercise a lot and and do fine as well yeah fair enough and last question uh jason what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given uh the best piece of advice i think would really just to you know to think for yourself right i mean there's a lot of people out there that give a lot of advice and not all of it is wrong, but you have to see what works for you, right? So some people, they'll do long fast and love it. And some people will do long fast and they hate it. Well, guess what? You shouldn't do long fast, right? Just because somebody else does it doesn't mean you should do it, right? We all like different things. Some people like, you know, Led Zeppelin and some people like Britney Spears. It doesn't mean somebody's wrong and somebody's right. It just yeah. means we're different. So... What you have to do is take the advice and say, well, is it really working? And if you say, okay, I'm going to follow this reduce my calories, low-fat advice, is it working? If it's not working, then it doesn't matter that every dietitian and every doctor and every association says that you should do it. You're not doing well. Then you got to change it and find something for you. So – that's probably the most important thing, and that's, I mean, it's important for me because I really had to kind of 
unlearn a lot of what I was taught in order to kind of understand this whole process. So I think that to me, it's important to kind of maintain a little bit of independence of thought. It's always good to listen to people, but you always got to use common sense, right? And this is where, you know, we kind of get into this trap of listening to the experts and then throwing out our own common sense. That is, somebody tells you, oh, you should eat all the time and you're going to lose weight. I'm like, okay, that really sounds dumb, okay? It sounds stupid. So, but try it. And guess <laughs> yeah. what? People do. And it, they gain a lot of weight because they're eating all the time. It's like, okay, well, that was really bad advice. It sounded like bad advice and it was really bad advice. <laughs> so then it's like, okay, common sense will tell you that you shouldn't do it. But what happens is that we get into this kind of brainwash state where we think, oh, every expert, every doctor tells me to eat six times a day. I'm doing terribly eating six times a day, but I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to make fun of those people who try to eat once or twice a day, right? It's like, no, you shouldn't do that. Think for yourself. Use your common sense. And you can't believe that, like, you got to follow your own path. Because there are people who do terribly on low-carb diets. And then they say, oh, I followed a high-carb diet. I did really well. I'm like, great. I don't care what you eat. If you're feeling well and doing well, then you can go on doing whatever it is you do, right? But if, yeah. if you do poorly and then you come to me, I'll say, let me give you some advice. You should, you can try and change it this way or this way or this way hmm. and see if you do better, right? But don't be so dogmatic that you have to, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this. No, your body will tell you. Like, you always got to come back and you say, our bodies are like wonderful you know, machines because they know a lot more than we do and they can take a lot more and they'll always help us. But you got to listen to it, right? You can't just say, oh, well, I'm just going to eat even if I'm not hungry. I'm like, that's a, you know, and you hear this all the time, right? If you're not hungry at breakfast, it doesn't matter. You still got to stuff your face with a couple of slices of toast, right? I'm like, (laughs) well, that's not a winning strategy for weight loss, okay? If you're not hungry at breakfast, don't eat that two slices of toast, right? And then people do better, and they're like, okay, I guess you're right. It's like, well, it was common sense, right? So that's, uh, yeah, it makes sense. So I think that just to think for yourself kind of uh, and and recognize that everybody is different. So you can't say that just because uh, you guys say it works, just because that fun guy says that fasting is great, (laughs) it doesn't mean it will be good for everybody. It doesn't mean it will work for everybody. you got to tweak it and find, find a way to make it work for you. But it's a tool in our tool belt, probably the most powerful tool that we have. And to kind of throw that out and not use it at all, to me, is completely nonsensical. Mm, Absolutely. That's good advice. Yeah. Jason, if anyone wants to get any more of of you, where's the best place to send them website-wise? There's, uh, so I'm on, my website is Mm -hmm. www.intensivedietarymanagement.com. So that's, and more that's focused mostly on science and then also on dietdoctor.com, which is Andreas Einfeld's uh, website. I'm on there as well. Okay. And there's uh, a lot of great stuff on intermittent fasting, a lot of great stuff on low carbs and recipes. Very easy to use. So both of those websites are excellent. Beautiful. And of course, there's the book, The Complete Guide to Fasting with you and Jimmy Moore, which was released last October, November, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Late October. Excellent. Well, we'll link it all to the show notes. This will go out uh, to everyone across our audiences. And I have no doubt they're going to get a great deal 
from today's topic. Thanks so much for coming on, Jason, and sharing your wisdom with us. It's uh, the first time we've oh, covered. Oh, thank you. First time we've covered fasting on the show, and uh, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. All right.